98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, Fernsey, under the weather today. Kellen Olsen has uh, been kind enough to come in and join us. And you were down at the Suns uh, camp all day today, right? You were down at practice? Sure was. You yeah, yeah practice. we spoke with uh, Monty Williams and Devin Booker, yeah. You did? All right, so I, we'll get a, we'll look a little later. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into some of the things that those guys may have said. Hmm. But I wanted to see if you heard this. Now, I never play clips from this guy because I just really, just really can't stand them. To be honest with you, but uh, Dave Burns. They, yeah, I never play Kippets. I never play clips from Dave Burns. <laughs> How many times have I ever played a Dave Burns clip? Zero. Zero. It's the reason why. Personal animosity. Just can't stand the guy. No, he's not to do that. Skip Bayless. <laughs> I can't stand Skip Bayless. I don't understand. Like, you know, if there's any, if there's one guy that's making money in this industry, and you come, you scratch your head like how? It's, to me, it's that guy. Like that guy's making good money in this industry. How? How? I never get him. But anyway, he was on his Undisputed show today. And here's what he said uh, about the sun setting on the Phoenix Suns. I got good news for you and Laker Nation. The suns are about to set in the West, as in sink into the We'll trade the rest with DA. Well, you could maybe pull Y'all want that? Yeah, I'm sure they'd be real interested in that. (laughs) I don't. So Skip Bayless, the Sun will, the good news for Laker fans. Listen, it's good news for New Orleans if the Sun sink. It's not good if the Lakers suck. It's good news for, um, for Memphis. It's good news for Minnesota. It's good news for the Warriors. It's good news for, you know, for teams that are, you know, searing the Clippers. It's like, doesn't make anything to have anything to do with the Lakers. But still the thought that somebody out there thinks that, all of the everything that's transpired from Robert Sarver to DeAndre and to Jay Crowder is going to sink this basketball team. I think they just have a quota where they have to talk about the Lakers at least once for every segment about the NBA. So they got to figure out to intertwine it somehow. I, I actually believe it or not, Camo, I watched this little ten minute YouTube video because it popped up somewhere on my timeline, and the first reaction I had to it is the Suns never, never, never ever provide the food, the bait for these types of talking head shows and provide those types of things like we have to talk about this. Like you you plan out your shows, they plan out their shows, and when they plan out their shows and you plan out your shows, you have those two to three things you have to talk about. And for them, one of those was DeAndre, and they went a whole 10 minutes on it. And I was actually like nodding along to the conversation for five minutes. I was shocked because I didn't expect to be doing it. And then I heard that that line, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that, there, right. there, there it is." That's why I'm never watching this. <laughs> no, no offense to them. It's a fantastic line by Skip Bayless. Just how he got so much money. The sun setting. What a line! Oh, it's a great gosh. line. Again, it's a terrific. One of the biggest mysteries in, in sports Shannon media. Sharp, one of my favorite tight ends of all time. How did you that, kidding me? How did that? How, how did that, that duo? Well, who decided to pay that guy? Like, who said, "You know what? I got a great idea." Let's Let's have this guy do a show and make him our number. Okay, let's stop, watches. let's stop talking Nobody about them, Gambo. The thing let's, about the thing about those types of people is just just don't talk about them. It's like you just well, don't have to say anything. Like there's some ridiculous stuff that got talked about I with got, Malika Andrews today. Just don't talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. People are talking about it. Guess what? More people are going to be talking. Just don't talk about it. Let's talk about what he said though at the end in the sun setting and, mm-hmm. and just this idea that the suns could be going there, Gambo. Do you have? A, let me ask it this way. Based on the way the last 48 hours have unfolded, do you feel any more differently about the future of the team than you did on Sunday? I'm definitely more concerned. 
I am too. You lost. You're going to lose Jay Crowder. He's a top seven guy in your rotation. You know, you you lost your backup center in Javel McGee, top seven guy in your rotation. You haven't really replaced him. I don't think any of the three guys James Jones went out and got in free agency are any good. Okay, the three guys he got within a week period, those guys are no good. No, those good. They're not helping the Phoenix Suns win important basketball games. They're depth guys. They're not good players. So, you know, you're reliant on, and then Chris is a year older. I mean, obviously he struggled. I went through it yesterday. Like 10 out of 11 games were back-to-backs in the playoffs. Like, it's hard for Chris Paul to get up, you know, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. I mean, playing every other day at 37 years old is not an easy thing to do. He'll be 38, you know, during the playoffs next year. So you can Concerned about that, you know, the, the DeAndre Ayton thing. I don't know. I, I like DA. I think he's a fantastic player, but, you know, there definitely seems to be a rift between him and Monty. Um, I, I mean, I like Mikhail. I like Cam. I think their depth has taken a tremendous hit if you're not going to have Jay and you're not going to have JaVel McGee, because in my opinion, they really haven't replaced those guys. And Dario, and I know we, listen, I, I like Dario too. He was awful playing for his country. Like a month ago, he was te- he was terrible in those games. He looked didn't look like a didn't look like a basketball player in those games. I, I think Dario and and not to continue to rain on the parade of Dario by any means because I think he's going to be a useful player for them and an impact player for them. But Dario has just has been an inconsistent player over the course of his career for better or for worse. I, I thought he had some moments for sure for Croatia watching those games in Eurobasket. But with that being said, it was a little underwhelming. It was also his first action back in, in a really, really long time in that level of basketball. So I'm not going to harp on it too much. Now, if we're three weeks into the season, Gambo, and we're not seeing significant contributions from him with the role that he's supposed to have on this team, like you said, he's going to be the second or third guy off of the bench, maybe even the first. Like He, he is going to be a crucial part of this team. And if we're talking in January or February, now we have to. If DeAndre Aiden's moving on, like, could he be starting? Like I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, we, we don't really know what the future is at that position now because of everything that's unfolded over the last 48 hours. Now, Devin Booker did talk about it today, and he said when he was asked, like, if you think this will be a distraction, something that lingers, he said not at all. He, he went with the same line that Monty Williams did. That's his thoughts to us, at least what we'll see on that regard, but I am just, I am concerned about the depth of the team as well. I expected them to kind of make one sizable move that would change up their top six or seven, but it looks like Jay Crowder just sort of forced their hand there. Yeah. And Gambo, you know far better than I do with all the sources that you have, how difficult trades are to pull off just on their own with nothing getting out, no one having like clear leverage points. But now it's publicly known beyond the fact that it was probably privately known for weeks now that Jay Crowder was trying to find somewhere else to go, how tough a trade like this is going to be to pull off and you're calling teams and they're like, the season starts in two weeks, and you're asking for one of the guys who's going to play serious minutes for us. Like, we want to see what we've got here. Yeah, that's where you think about like the Kings with Harrison Barnes. Like, the Kings want to win forty games this year, and they got to do it with Harrison Barnes. So, those types of names that we talk about, like Kyle Kuzma, was a name I wrote about a couple months ago as well. Like, teams are going to want to wait, so they're going to have to wait. I think they're going to have to wait a while. The Suns definitely went after Harrison Barnes earlier this year, weren't able to get him. Yeah, they were looking at Bogdanovich, but they wanted Jared Vanderbilt. So they weren't able to get a deal done, you know, because they were looking like, if I give you two guys and that deal, and I'll just tell you what that deal would have been. It would have been Landry Shamit, Jay Crowder, and a heavily protected first-round pick uh, to get Jared Vanderbilt and Bayan Bogdanovich, but the Jazz were not giving up Vanderbilt, so it wasn't anything that was going to work. So the Suns have obviously been looking to move Jay Crowder in, in deals throughout the last couple of months. I heard... 
from somebody very close to the know that Jay wanted a contract extension, but was also told you're not going to start and you're not going to be, you're not going to finish games. Yeah. So I think at that point, and I don't even know why they would tell him that, but maybe it's out of respect. Because you'd be like, why do you have to tell him? Like, just let it play out the way it plays. You never know. I mean, what if Cam gets hurt? You know? Yeah. You don't have to say anything. What if Cam gets hurt? So I didn't think do, you needed doing to right say anything. by the guy, though, to be fair. I think you're doing right by him. I have a story up on ArizonaSports.com talking about Jay and Cam specifically. The Suns are in a really good position because they have someone to naturally replace Jay Crowder. Obviously, that's part of why this happened with Cam Johnson. But man, now we're talking about like Ish Wainwright stepping up. We're talking about Tory Craig stepping up. We're talking about guys like Damian Lee and Josh Okoji stepping up. And, and those are not names that you and I expected to be a significant part of the rotation. They might be now. Kyler Murray spoke today. Talked a lot about being uh, limited in some of his rushing. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Got a lot of friends in Florida. Got that hurricane coming in right now. One of my buddies. Oh, they do like, okay. My group test just said the power just went. The power just oh, went out. Gosh, that's scary yeah. stuff. Yeah, they're doing so okay. we'll, we'll either tough it out or hit a hotel. We had to do that the last five times. So the last five uh, times, man, just a reality of living there. I guess. Yeah, huh? I it's know. like whenever we get a tornado watch. That's never like the tornado's not going to land in Phoenix. We get the tornado watch. We're like, oh my god. Yeah, looking I, for a hotel, getting out of here. I'm not doing no AC again. Um, it's going to be 85 degrees soon. We're the only ones who lost power so far that I know of, but yeah, they lost their power. So we'll just keep our eye on everything that's going on in Florida and yeah, hope, of hope for the best for all those people out there, uh, of course. All right, let's let's talk a little Cardinals football. Kyler Murray's always a fun day when Kyler and Cliff speak. Kyler's spoken. You know, my, I believe Vince Murata picked up on something uh, that, that Bernsey was talking about. Bernsey had this incredible stat. It was one of my favorites um, about the running with Kyler Murray and the fact that when Kyler Murray runs less than five times. They haven't won a game. And I was like baffled, like 0-10-1. Like 0-10-1 for Kyler Murray when he doesn't run a whole lot. So Vinny kind of like expanded on that. I heard him talking about it this morning when I was on my way back from my workout. And he said, to back up what Burns you presented on air Monday, the Cardinals are 9-1 when Murray runs 10 times or more in a game. Okay, they're nine and one when he runs ten times more. It's pretty. I like that number. I like that a lot. They're fourteen and fourteen when he rushes between five to nine times. Okay, fourteen and fourteen, and he's got when he has four or less attempts. He's there. He's o eleven and one. I mean, I don't think that there's a stat with a disparity line that big in the history of stats. <laughs> Like, you're, like, you're not a big stack guy usually, but this one really got you. But ten times, nine and one, yeah. four or less, oh, 11 and one. Like you know what no, I would do? I would give Kyler carries. That's what I would. do. And then you say, what's the middle ground? Well, the middle ground is he's fourteen and fourteen. This might truly be the greatest stat of all time, right here. I don't think though that any <laughs> stat backs up something more than this. You're a stat guy. Love does, it. does any stat back up that stat more than? Whatever I'm trying to say. No, I, I don't I think I'm trying to say something. I don't think I don't so. Know. And that's kind of what you look for with numbers most of the time. And why I love stats is it's just more or less like you see things with the eye test and you see. But it's hard for us to say like, OK, truly, is it that big of a deal when Kyler doesn't run? And then you see numbers like that and you're like, give him the ball or not give him the ball. He always gets the ball every possession. He's a freaking quarterback, but give him the opportunity to run more. But that's where I wonder, Gambo, like it, something is at odds here. Someone doesn't want 
to do this because to go through three quarters last Sunday and not have a designed run for this guy yet, we've barely seen any designed runs for him this year through three games. Why? It is his biggest strength as a player. I understand he's a quarterback and he needs to throw the ball and he needs to work on this, work on that. His biggest strength is always going to be his agility and how fast he can move at that size. You need to utilize it. It's not just about him scrambling around in the pocket. It's about using that ground game a bit. He doesn't have to be in power formations like Lamar Jackson and taking hits. Just give him those option plays every now and then like we saw towards the end of the game. Well, Kyle Murray spoke about that and teams and what they're doing to limit his rushing. No, it's more so, you know, if, if if I'm asked to do it, you know, then then, then I do it. You know, in certain situations, as of, you know, late where um, it, it's got to come off scrambles and stuff like that, whereas teams may not, you know, allow me to scramble as much as you know, um, people asking why I'm not running and stuff like that. Like it's not, it's not, it's not by you know want to or anything like that. I think just design right now is uh, we we probably you know I've said. I would, you know, I would, I would love to implement that more, but um, I just ask, you know, I do what I'm asked to. I unintentionally set, set up the sound really well there. I do <laughs> so it's a cliff thing. What I'm okay. asked to do, noted. And if they take something away, and I think he kind of talked about that. If they take something away, now listen. I mean, he has Kyler on not being able to make crucial plays because it's one of the things that you expect from Kyler Murray is you expect those big plays. He has him talking about those. I don't want to, you know, it's not just a couple plays. I think it's you know foundationally, you know, from from just what we're all doing right now. It's not good enough. Um, obviously there are a couple plays where we would love to have back um, reads that I would, you know, every game quarterback's going to have reads they want to take back. Um, but the plays, you know, that are there to be made, the crucial plays that are there to be made, we got to make those plays. And there, there were some crucial plays in that game where, you know, we could have made a difference. Um, again, everybody makes mistakes. You know, all you ask is for them to make them full speed. But uh, right now we're just, we're, we're all kind of, you know, we're all not doing our job as good as we should. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, you've got to have some of those big plays. Just missed Hollywood Brown on a big play. you got to find those big plays down the field. I mean, the teams that are successful, they find those big plays, and they weren't able to do that in that game against the Rams. I mean, and I think, listen, I think everybody knows that Andy Isabella couldn't find the ball, and, oh you know, Kyler, Kyler talked about, you know, you got to be ready when you play with me. Actually, you know, somebody, I think he was asked if he was surprised that some of the receivers stopped during the game on Sunday. Here's what he said about the receivers stopping of course of course it's a surprise when you know you throw the ball and you know somebody's not looking or doesn't doesn't expect the ball I mean everybody on the field should be live at every moment um and that's you know that's something continue to preach and continue to harp on don't ever think you're not getting the ball I got on cliff last year because one of the plays with uh, with, with Green when they threw that ball and he wasn't looking the and reception. I was there. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And, and it's like you've got, like, you always have to design a play in which everybody thinks that there's a chance they get the ball. Yes. You can't design plays. And I think on that play, AJ Green was just convinced that ball's not coming to me. I'm just going to run a little pattern and I'm going to block. And, uh, but you always have to design a play as a play caller in which there's a chance that everybody gets the ball because you never know what could happen. I mean, he drops the ball and he's got to roll right and all of a sudden, 
you had something going left, and now you got to look to the right. So I, I do think that it's imperative that Cliff is always drawing up plays in which every single player thinks there's a chance that he can get the ball. Yeah, and how about some carries for Kyler Murray then? Holy smokes, that, that is I mean, not encouraging to hear. It's, it's one of the biggest strengths. Look, if the offense was scoring 30 points a game through three weeks, I understand. Like, stick with what's working. But this is an offense that is looking for ways to be elite like we thought it would be. This is an obvious way to do it. I agree with you. It, it was Ertz, I believe, Gambo, in, in the comeback against the Raiders where they got it to A.J. Green late, but I believe there was an Ertz play in there in the red zone. Like you're, Those are your money calls in the red zone. That's when you bring them out, and for one of them to be on a play where Ertz isn't even looking for the ball, it, it's just hard to understand. It's really hard to understand. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's why you look at the, you know, you look at the performance and you, you know, plays like that. It's just every play that can make a difference in the game. And when you don't get it, I mean, that's the difference. You, you held the Rams to 20 points. You shut down Cooper Cup. Like there were so many things that went right for the Cardinals in that football game. You want to win those games. You want to win those games they with, need with to. The, Cooper Cup had four catches. Hollywood Brown had 14. Who won? Oh, Cardinals did. No, Kyler Murray threw for over 300 yards, but no touchdowns. Like, you know, you want, the Rams had 20 points. The Cardinals have to win a game in which the Rams score 20 points. None of that stuff happened. It's got to be better than that. They've got to hit those big plays. And yeah, guys like, you know, when Andy Isabella gets his opportunities, he can't blow them. All right. The Cardinals are playing Carolina and a lot of people in Carolina, their defense has been good. Their running game has been good, but they're asking, man, what is wrong with, what's wrong with the quarterback? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Uh, the station news. This is big. This is really big. Our new beverage vending machine that I got for everybody. You're welcome. You did. Yep. Is out of water. Money out of your pocket. What? Yes. Please do not use. I've called the company. They the should be John sending someone Gambadoro. out to fix it. There's a cranberry juice stuck in the arm, and the machine can't retrieve any other beverages. What if I wanted a Dr. Pepper right now? You'd have to get. When someone I find to out about the, the, the bistro open still, Mitch, like, can we get someone to make a Dr. Pepper? Run we'll for get Hambo refunded. Can you shake it? Has anybody That's tried what shaking I, it? That's what I said. But, it, but it's like the, the old school. Thing. So, I'll turn so, that thing upside down. We'll, we'll make it work. Get your okay. Dr. Pepper. Hold on, got hold this on thing. a second, everyone. A John Gambador vending machine wouldn't just be the old vending machines. Are you kidding me? We've got the futuristic new Absolutely. age vending machine where it's got like the little arm. So, you know, you click on what arm. you want and then the arm goes and grabs it and then it, it slides it out. And then the thing just slides and opens, and, and there's your drink. Very futuristic, new age, but it can run Top into problems, line. Gambo, as we've seen. This is just horrible news. This is I just cannot envision anything worse happening. Add it on to the week, man. What a day. Yeah. What a week Arizona in Arizona sports. sports. This counts in Arizona sports. Jeez. This just is, when Rondale Moore returns to practice, yeah. now, the, now the Gambo vending machine broke. This is big. Catch a break. I know we actually got the vending machines because I complained about how bad our old ones were, and then somebody listening you know, had a vending machine company, and so now we have these great vending. They're the best. I love these vending machines. They're the greatest vending machines of all time. You know, but now our arms broke. The arms broke. It's stuck. Our so, thoughts and prayers are with the vending machine. Yes, please do not use. We need machine. to get the vending machine fixed. ASAP. We got to get that. I thought about a cherry Coke earlier. That's out the window. You were thinking about a cherry Coke. I now you can't have a cherry Coke. It. I was thinking about it. Yeah. I was, yeah, might have been a day to have a Coca-Cola or a Dr. Pepper. They got, they got iced tea, they got cranberry, they got Powerade. They, you name a drink, they got it. They got the the, the energy drink, they got everything. In that I'm thing. trying really hard to think of a sponsored beverage for Baker Mayfield to make the transition, and I can't do it. Uh, I tried and I failed. I'm sorry, I let you down. 
What would Baker Mayfield? Yeah, Baker Mayfield, not the uh, Baker Mayfield's been struggling. So we'll just get right into that without <laughs> trying to figure out like what beverage. He what looks beverage like the Dr. Pepper good. mini guy. Oh, okay. A little that, that wasn't bad. He like, the Dr. Pepper mini guy looks like Prince. It's like if Prince and Baker Mayfield had a baby. <laughs> it just looks like Prince. Does he look like Prince? It looks like Prince. Put the poll question up, Eric. Who does he look more like? <laughs> Wait a second. Do you guys even know who Prince is? Yes. Y- yes, we know who Prince is. I was just in Minnesota, okay. the, la- the land of Prince, Minneapolis. Okay, they had a big I, mural I, up of Prince. It was beautiful. I, I know. I know. I, I never forget. I'll just say this real quick before we get into the Baker movie. So my, my prom, mm-hmm. 1984, my oh, prom. I was not born yet. 1984. Bro. I'm at my prom. We got a bonfire going, right? And uh, we're at the beach. So this is after the prom. Me and all my friends with our girlfriend, we're all at the beach. We spend the whole night there, the whole night at the beach. And we've got a bonfire going, and a song comes on, the 1999 song, Prince. We're going to party like it's 1999. And I'm sitting there, me and my friends, we had like an hour discussion on this. Like, that's so far away. <laughs> like, 1999? Like, guys, we'll be like 33 years old. Like, we were like, how old are we going to be in 1999? It's like... Because that was 84. We were like 18. Like, we'll be like 30. So we'll probably have like kids. Oh, man. You'll probably be like married. Yeah. So we had like an hour of discussion about like how crazy it would be in 1999 when we're all like 33 years old with kids and probably married and stuff like that. And I just, I'll never forget. That conversation, here it is 23 years later. Okay, but on the bright side, at least George Orwell's 1984 didn't come true for you guys, right? What was We're that, getting like, there the on the back of the, to the future day, right? Is that the end of the world? Yeah, something like that, where everybody's under control, et cetera, et cetera. No, I'm just worried about the barn fire in 1999. Like, I can't, it'll never get here, guys. We'll never, 1999 is like so far. It was like half our lives at that time. All right, uh, Baker Mayfield, really, really struggling with Carolina. Their offense, their offense, the running game has been good. The defense has been good. But the passing game with Baker Mayfield is not. This could be an advantage for the Arizona Cardinals. I, this I is, will say it will be. <laughs> yes. I say can. It will be. Yeah. Sub 50% completion rate. Offense can't convert on third downs. They're really not doing a good job of, of protecting him. They got a good offensive line, but they're not getting the ball to the wide receivers. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson had... They were combined 10 times. They were targeted in that game against the Saints. They had two catches for 16 yards. Two catches for 16 yards for DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So here's a guy in Moore coming off of three straight 1,100-yard receiving seasons. He's got seven receptions this year. Seven for 88 yards. So he's really struggling. Baker's not getting him the ball at all. No. Moore has had trouble creating space. He's not getting open. And you look at the third down rate. They're like third. 30th in the league on third down conversions at only 27%. So Baker Mayfield has been a problem with this offense. They're throwing for about 160 yards a game. That's it. Gambo, I don't like to be definitive with predictions and such, but I will be definitive here. If the Cardinals turn the ball over one time or less, they are going to win this football game. Oh, you're going with turnovers. They, they just cannot turn the ball over. They mm. cannot give this offense any free real estate, and they just need to limit big plays. If they do those two things, if they limit turnovers, limit big plays, they're going to win this game, and they might even cruise because I look through the play-by-play drive here because I'm nuts, Gambo, of their three games. Okay. They've had nine three-and-outs this year to go back to your, mm. your third-down conversion rate being 30th. Touchdown drives, they've had six touchdowns all year, to be clear, in three games. But touchdown drives of 10 or more plays, like, you know, when you burn eight minutes off the clock and you have that really long, sustained drive, they've had one. 
one of their six touchdown drives has been for 10 plays or more, been really sustained. When they've been sustaining drives through what I was looking at, field goals, that they don't finish drives. They haven't been finishing drives at all. Again, limit the big plays because of those touchdowns, there's been a 50-yard run here. There's been a 75-yard catch here. There's been a couple of huge plays that they've had for touchdowns. But outside of that, nothing much. Baker Mayfield's been been terrible this year. He's averaging 183 yards per game. That is 29th in the league. He has 42 completions in three games. 42 in three games. Terrible. That is 30th in the NFL. His 51.9% completion percentage is 31st. The one bright side to go back to the turnovers is he hasn't turned the ball over in the last two games. So he's been taking care of the ball at least, but... DJ Moore is a stud, Gambo. Great player. He is a stud. Seven catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. You said that. I'm going to repeat it again. This was a guy last year, Gambo. He had 163 targets. He was sixth in the NFL. He was just viewed as that kind of weapon for the Panthers, and he should be. To go back to the seven catches for 88 yards, Gambo, He's had games better than that. He broke 88 yards oh, in three course. games last year. He had four, he had seven catches in in a game four times or more four times last year. Like he's had better games than that. We're talking about a three game stretch for him. Christian McCaffrey's been fine, uh, but you know who didn't practice today because of an injury? Christian McCaffrey. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. And, news. and they may be that may be. And and I always think Thursday and you know Thursday and Friday are the most important days. So we'll see if he's practicing tomorrow. Rushed for 108 yards in Week Three, 12th career one. 100-yard rushing games. He's tied for fifth in the NFL. He's got 243 yards. Did not have a good first game, but he really bounced back in these last two games. He's the key. Now, last year, now if you remember last year, and let's forget about stats, they couldn't cover him. They had Isaiah Simmons on him. Isaiah Simmons cannot cover Christian McCaffrey. So you got to be smart here. Maybe you put Jalen Thompson on him. You got to do Isaiah was awful. You go back to the game last year. I don't know if you can look that up, but I think Christian McCaffrey burned them with a bunch of pass plays, too. So it's not just the running. It's when he gets out. Can you cover Christian McCaffrey? Because he's going to make some catches, too. And when he has the ball in his hands, he's very, very dangerous. And last year when they played them, it was a lot of Isaiah Simmons covering Christian McCaffrey. That did not work. So if you're the Cardinals, you may want to look at that matchup and say, okay, who can we put on him? You might be better off with like a Jalen Thompson than an Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, but you got a great memory. Ten catches for 66 yards in the passing game. He was involved. Guess what? Ten targets. Caught all ten of his targets. Right. 13 for 95 on the ground, averaging seven yards a carry. He was a huge factor. 34 to 10. I forgot it was that bad. P.J. Walker. Yeah, they didn't. Was their quarterback. The Cardinals were missing like everybody in that game. They were missing so many. did not have it, unfortunately, in that game. Yeah, They were missing a lot of key players. I feel good about this matchup, though. I feel optimistic. they got to be able to cover McCaffrey. you got to be able to cover Christian McCaffrey. And they were not able to do that the last time out. So that'll be a big key in the game. You know, you can look at all the running stats all you want. But I'm telling you, when McCaffrey burned him last year was in that passing game. You just mentioned the 10 catches. And I remember Isaiah Simmons covering him. And it was not very good. So that's going to (laughs) be, that's going to have to be a lot better. Still a lot to come on the program. I know Chris Cartman's going to join us a little bit later. We'll talk some Sun Devil football as they get ready for their matchup against USC. We'll get some D-backs in as well. But up next, is the Pac-12 truly on the brink of elimination. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Helen's asking me if I watch Survivor. You guys watch Survivor? I don't watch Survivor. I saw this show in Alaska where they drop like a bunch of people off in Alaska. And I'm like, you see how long you can survive. 
Like, like, or one was in Canada, one was in Alaska, one was in. They just drop you off. You got to try to survive like harsh winters, and you got to build like your own, like you know, place to live and catch your own food, and you can tap out after a certain amount of time. You got this radio, and you can just like, all right, I'm done, I'm out. Yeah, they had like a lot of. I think it was called Naked and Afraid was one of the first like big shows that did that, where they just dropped you off like naked in in the jungle, and you had to survive. And there's like another. They couldn't one let called, you have like clothes. There's another no like, naked and afraid. It's in the it's in the title. It's a catchy title. You're scrolling through the TV guide to see naked and afraid. You're like what? And then you click on it. And now you're in for seven seasons of that show or whatever. <laughs> Alone is another one that people catch up. Yeah, I love Survivor. I'm sure we have a handful of people listening. That's a huge huge show. Eric is a Survivor watcher. We love to see it. Alone. Maybe that's what I was watching. What was with they're in Canada. The last one they were in Canada. Yeah, I think they've done alone. And they like drop a bunch you of off in areas. Yeah, you, you gotta like alone. catch your own food and cook your own food and find your own shelter and avoid grizzly bears. You and- learn quickly how well equipped those people are and how unequipped we are for those situations. Like, it's like, yeah, I could survive oh, for yeah. three days on my own and then you watch yeah. these people and what they're doing and they're just like... I'd be like an hour later, I'd be like, come get me! Yeah, they're like finding <laughs> trails and like they're like, oh yeah, there was a raccoon here 30 uh, minutes ago. It'll be back in three hours and we'll trap yeah. it and here's the trap I'll set up with branches and you're like, I would have yeah. died. I would have died already. I would just... I'd like, that is a bear print. I'm like, I'm gone. Yeah. Just get just get me out as quick as you can. Alright, let's talk a little about the Pac-12. Um... We've been waiting. I'm kind of bracing to see what was going to happen with the Pac-12. And I saw the story by Dennis Dodd today, and it kind of threw me for a loop. Pac-12 in danger of eventual collapse as the Big Ten considers further expansion and the Big 12 interest looms. If the Big 12, if the Big Ten can get one more significant payday, it may be curtains for the Pac-12. So I'm going to read a little bit of this, you know, we'll react. It says, the Big Ten's continued pursuit of four Pac-12 schools is leading to concern that another round of expansion could collapse the Pac-12 industry sources, tell CBS Sports. This is as the Big Ten commissioner continues to seek an offer from Amazon or potentially another partner for additional media rights revenue. So Amazon had that success with the NFL game. People yeah. were looking at oh, that yeah. saying, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. If you come in that, and you come in and you give us more money, we can add Cal, Cal, Oregon, Stanford, Washington. We'll give you another window to have these, you know, these later games. You could have them. So that's what they are looking at. I think very much the Big Ten is looking at additional revenue through Amazon which would allow them to take four of the schools from the Pac-12, get to 20, and because they've already done a gigantic deal for $8 billion over seven years, but Amazon's not part of it. But then what they say is, says industry chatter that has Oregon State and Washington State moving to the Mountain West. Whoa. Yes, and then Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah would go to the Big 12. Wait, what does that mean for Oregon State and Washington State? That's what I just said. Industry chatter is Oregon State (laughs) and Washington State moving to the Mountain West Conference. Oh my gosh. At that point, the Mountain West would replace the Pac-12 as the largest FBS conference completely located in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. Yikes. So Amazon may be the key to this whole thing. If the Big Ten says, you know what? We'll do a deal with Amazon, and then we'll add these Pac-12 schools, and we'll give you the, you know, you'll have Big Ten games every single week in this later time slot. That's it. Pac-12 is done. It's over. 
Dan, but what I've learned from this story and just the stories that continue to develop out of it and just the starting point that we got at to the point we're at now where it's the Wild West and anything could happen at any day in terms of any school playing in any conference. Nothing seems out of the realm of possibility anymore. I, what I've learned is that it's all about ripple effects. Ripple effects is a great term. I love ripple effects. It's good, it's good stuff. And here it's it starts with, like, obviously the Texas and Oklahoma stuff we go back then. But now it's like, okay, well, if the Big Ten comes in, swoops in for Pac-12 teams or Pac-10 teams. Now it's the Pac-6, and then four of those six teams are like, "Well, we got to get at, we got to find they'll, they'll go now. together. The we got to go the, somewhere. The second the Big Ten takes somebody, the, the, then the other schools uh, they probably lining it up right now to go to the Big 12. And I, you, you feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State, but they'll they'll end up in the Mountain West. The Pac-12 will have no chance, I don't think, to save itself at that point. So if the Big Ten does a deal with Amazon. They create this other window. And, see, because right now, industry sources value a 10-team Pac-12. Get this. Pac-12 without UCLA and USC. Uh-oh. At 21 to $30 million per school. Oh, that's it. 21 to $30 million. Do you think this is something where... So, again, ripple effects. Big Ten comes in. They swoop in the four. Uh-huh. Those four are not Arizona and Arizona State, to be clear. But that would move on the likelihood of Arizona and Arizona State getting into the Big 12. Yes. Do you believe that both Arizona and Arizona State are kind of rooting for the Big Ten to poach from the Pac-12 to make their move easier? Or do you think that they would rather stick with this Pac-12? 10 and then hopefully grab a team or two. Are they rooting for the ripple effects? That's a come? really good question. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what I, I would be rooting for. I think that they should probably root for it. Yeah. Because the uncertainty, you don't want to live in uncertainty all the time. You just don't want to live with the uncertainty. Yeah, I like Because you, know. you always, in the back of your mind, you know that the second Oregon and Washington get a chance to go somewhere, they're bolting and they're going. I'd rather get this thing, right? It's inevitable. Get this thing over with. We'll go to the Big 12 and we'll be done with it. Instead of just every year just worrying is because the second the Big 10 wants to expand, they're going to come here and they're going to help UCLA and they're going to help USC and they're going to get them four more schools in their time zone. It's going to make travel a lot easier because that's the big thing that Kleofko is saying. Oh, the travel is going to go up so much for UCLA and USC. Well, not if they have these four other schools. It's not. Because now they could have weeks where they just got their normal travel schedule. So I think that that's the whole key. But the bottom line is the Pac-12 is not worth any money without UCLA and USC. It's not worth very much. The Big Ten is going to be getting 75 to $80 million a year. The Pac-12's value is 21 to $30 million without USC and UCLA. So if they do get this deal... If they if they do get the deal with with Amazon, they can add those that fourth window for the games. The Pac-12 is dead. It's over. Campbell, the the people know that you and I are huge fans of U of A basketball, and that is really what I care about the most with things like this as a U of A grad and, and alumni. Okay, well, uh, you'd be happy with the Big Twelve. I would be thrilled getting to play Kansas, Baylor. We could get revenge on Houston. I mean, Cincinnati's in there, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State's in there. Like, it's there, a good basketball some, conference. It's a great TCU's in there. Who they had a thrilling game with in uh, in the tournament last year before falling to Houston. That would be. Again, I'm pretty simple-minded with this. I'm thinking about basketball first for U of A, and I would love the Big 12. I would love that. It says adding four more schools from the Pac-12 would result in an expanded Big 10 content. It would give the conference 112 games annually. Amazon would likely get the fifth or sixth or seventh pick. So this would be some of the games that Amazon could throw at you. They said you talk, you could have Cal versus Rutgers, Northwestern versus Stanford, Oregon versus Indiana. 
because they're not going to get Michigan, they're not going to get Ohio State, and they're not going to get Penn State. But they come in with a bunch of money, and that's the games that they could have. They could have Stanford and Northwestern, Oregon and Indiana. You'd get some games where you got the fifth choice, and you could probably put together a halfway decent game to attract an audience. Um, and that's and again, if the money's if the money's right, if you could go there. If those four schools could go there and go from making twenty to thirty million to making seventy five or eighty million, they're gonna they're gonna do it. Forty fifty million dollars a year. Start to add that up over three years, four years, five years, ten years. They're gonna do it. It's inevitable. I just so if I'm the if I'm ASU and U of A, I kind of hope for it. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to live with the uncertainty every year of just waiting on and being at the mercy of Oregon and Washington. I'm at your mercy. If you stay, we're okay. If you leave, we're done. Because once Oregon and Washington leave, you can't really save the Pac-12. You really, you lose your four best. It's 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 done. not a conference that can be saved in my opinion. We'll be telling our grandkids about the old Pac-12. Yeah, the Andre Ayton, the, uh, the uh, very awkward situation right now with Monty Williams. We'll talk about that next on ninety-eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station.